Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to episode 38 of Real Travels. I'm your host, Lisa Iannucci, and I am your film and TV travel guide. This week, I'm not talking about a destination. Instead, I brought on a very special film and TV actress. So stick around for a whole lot of fun. Let's get started. everybody man oh man i cannot believe it's already the second week in august besides the fact that i'm melting here in new york i took a couple of weeks off because we've been painting the house it's on sale right now and i'm working and i just needed a little time to regroup doing all of these things is exhausting fun but exhausting (laughs) before we get to that interview i was talking about let's talk about what i've been watching When I have had time to relax, I've actually watched a few more Charlie Chaplin movies, including his 1936 Modern Times, which I really enjoyed, and I do remember seeing it when I was in college. You can find some of Charlie Chaplin's movies on YouTube or on TCM. I recorded them on TCM, but I know that some of them you can watch on YouTube. And if you're quarantined or even if your kids have headed back to school or you have some downtime while you're home, it might be fun to go back and look at some of the old silent films. It's a great time period to introduce your children to something new, and they might actually find some of his movies kind of funny. Uh, Modern Times was a little bit, it was kind of like what a rom-com would be considered today, uh, but it had a political storyline throughout it as well. Um, but I, again, I like Charlie Chaplin, you know, obviously the historical impact that he had on film is just, you know, way too much to even talk about on this podcast, but something that, again, if you're looking for something new to do, you know, maybe you could go back and watch some of those movies. I'm also excited because on a completely different scale, Big Brother is back And in times of quarantine, it's nice having something back that is new. I've been watching it for years with EJ. Yes, it's mindless fun. And in this day and age, it's exactly what I need. Do you watch Big Brother? Uh, I don't know if people out there watch reality shows, but I do. Uh, What do you think of the All-Stars? There are a a few of the ones I like this season, including Nicole F., Cody, Tyler, Mama Day, and Nicole A., So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out over the next, I think they're going 90 days this time, and they're about two weeks into it as I record this. We've had our first eviction, and we're heading into the second head of household. So I'm not going to talk about that every time, but again, it's just one of those mindless things that with everything going on in the world, it's just fun to watch. 
Now I did get a Broadway HD subscription for a month and on there I watched the musical Holiday Inn with Corbin Blue. You probably remember him from High School Musical. And I absolutely adored it. And oh my God, can that man tap dance? I never knew. I mean, obviously I knew he could sing from High School Musical. Never knew he could tap dance. And he did a wonderful job in that in that uh, show. And I urge you guys... Broadway HD does, I think, a one-week free trial, and then I think it's something like $8.99 a month. It's not a sponsor or anything like that of the show, but maybe it's worth also checking out. You're not going to find things like, you know, Wicked or anything like that that's like Big Name or Hamilton. You'll find Hamilton on Disney, but you're not going to find the big name Broadway musicals on here. Um, you might, you get like Kinky Boots and Billy Elliot um, but there's a lot of things that they have beyond that, including like art documentaries and tap dance documentaries and uh, plays, Broadway plays and dramas. It's not just musicals. So you might want to check that out, too. Finally, on Netflix, I got around to watching Dumplin' with Jennifer Aniston. And it's a very, very sweet movie. And I found out that this movie is based on a fictional Texas town, but it was actually filmed in parts of Georgia. And if you recall, if you've seen the movie, there's a bar in the movie that serves as like the drag bar um, that Dumplin' goes to and um, meets the drag queens that are there and perform and teach her how to perform. It was filmed at a place called Southern Comfort Restaurant and Lounge in Conley, Georgia. Unfortunately, I looked it up. It is now permanently closed. Um, but in case you were heading to Texas to see any of the filming sites, they actually are filmed in Georgia. So I also want to remind you that my book, On Location, A Film and TV Lover's Travel Guide, is still available. If you're interested in a copy, I would prefer that you order it through my local independent bookstore, which is Oblong Books in Rhinebeck, New York. And their website is oblongbooks.com. If you want an autographed copy, reach out to the bookstore. I'm sure that I can head up there and sign a copy before they ship it out to you. Uh, but I would prefer that you do order through them. If you can't and you just still need to order the book, that's fine. Order it anywhere you want, but that's my order of preference. So speaking of Rhinebeck, where Oblong Books is located, I'm actually in the middle of a book that I want to recommend, and that's The Rural Diaries, Love, Livestock, and Big Life Lessons Down on Mischief Farm. It's written by Hilary Burton Morgan, who you might know is the former host of MTV's Total Request Live, and is Peyton Sawyer on the WB or CW's drama One Tree Hill, which she was on for six years <clears throat> or six seasons. Um, the book is a biography of Hillary's life when she fell in love with a town that's very close to me, and that is Rhinebeck, New York, in the Hudson Valley. She lives here. Uh, the book is funny, honest, sweet, and for me it's close to home with a lot of places that she mentions that I'm all too familiar with. But I really do hope you'll read it, and I do hope it actually inspires you to come and visit the Hudson Valley and see what the love of this entire community is all about. Rhinebeck's also just really, really cool. My, my girls live up in Rhinebeck, and, and I hope to live there too, but if I can't, visiting it is one of my favorite things to do. I only live a couple of towns away. So, on that note, 
that's what I've been doing this week. And I also have obviously been doing interviews. So let's jump into this interview. I cannot wait. I hope you enjoy this and I will see you on the other side. So this is probably going to be my favorite Real Travels episode since starting the podcast because I am honored to introduce this guest to you. And I have to admit I'm a bit fangirly over on this one, so bear with me. And before I just say her name, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. And my guest started out her career in episodic TV and small film roles in the early 1970s. She's worked alongside such legends as John Astin, Mickey Rooney, Milton Berle. I have chills already. She's made appearances on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, Starsky and Hutch, The Love Boat, Beverly Hills, 90210. The Wayans Brothers and Profiler, she's had roles in films such as The Witches of Eastwick and The Fabulous Baker Boys. And I hope she doesn't mind me saying, but she's probably most remembered as one of my favorite characters ever, Big Rosie Greenbaum on Laverne and Shirley. My guest today, and I'm so excited, is Carol Eda White. Welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so humbled by your introduction. Production. Oh my goodness! And I just realized I must be very old. <laughs> no, just experienced. <laughs> now, how are you with all this craziness going on in the world? Let's start today. Let's start with that today. How are you doing? Um, you know, I'm uh, by the grace of all that is good in this universe. I am really, really lucky. I have a, a roof over my head and food in my fridge, too much food in my fridge. <laughs> and um, I haven't caught the plague. And so, you know, I'm better than most, most of the universe, most of the planet. And, um, you know... It's it's hard. It's but, hard, but I'm okay, thank God. But do you have toilet paper? That's the question. You know what? I do. I do. And if I weren't such a hoarder, I'd tell you and your um, large audience where to get it. No. Um, <laughs> now we pretty much... Can you get toilet paper readily? I can, you know, it depends on the day of the week. Some days right. of the week my grocery store may not have it, but for the most part now you can find it, and it's weird what I can't find. I can't find bee spray, and I can't find paper towels on a regular basis. So oh. it's weird. <laughs> I don't it know. is weird. It, it almost sounded to me like you said the first thing was Bee spray? Oh, no, bee spray. Like, I have a, a little bit of a bee problem outside in my oh, yard, no, and I've been wanting oh, to... Oh, no. Yeah, and I can't... I went into Lowe's and Home Depot, couldn't find any bee spray, and... I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy if you go in to buy honey. Honey is so expensive, and our planet is... The bees are being choked by... Roundup and 
other poisons, you know. So when I hear that someone has a bee infestation, I, I say, I wonder who, you know, if you can call bees anonymous or, bee, <laughs> you know, bee rescue, and maybe they can come and somehow take the hive and set it free or something. I know it can be an issue, you know, with stings and all, but I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, for the most part, I'm really good about that. Like, I really try not to bother them if they're building something in the trees, and I try to get some help. But every once in a while, you just have a little section that you can't get into or something like that. But I I really, I'm very cautious, um, you know, and making sure that we take care of this planet and, you know, but, um, now work obviously I'm sure right now has just kind of stopped, you know, for a while, right? Yes. Work has stopped for the past six months. And I'll tell you, uh, when an agent, my agent used to call me, he'd say, Carol, you got to be out at Warner Brothers at 3 o'clock, bring a picture and resume. Uh, and then he'd send me, you know, by fax or something, what I had to read. Today, it's a completely different business, as you can probably guess. Uh, they don't want your picture, they don't want your resume. For theater, it's different, but for TV and films, they want you to self-tape your audition at home and send it over the internet. And I, I just did that about a week and a half ago for a movie to play a grandmother. Yes, I'm now playing grandpa. Big <laughs> Rosie is now playing grandmothers. Um, and happy to do it, by the way. But... Um, it was supposed to start August 3rd, now I guess they've pushed it back, And but I do these self-tapes at home, and um, we'll see, you know, my sister doesn't let me go to the grocery store because she says I'm vulnerable, so, you know, I'd have to sneak out of the house and... <laughs> know wear a bag over my head and a mask and a mask show up but it's hard not working but i'll tell you lisa what saved my life is that i i started painting of all things wow when did you get into that well my my boyfriend farmer joe he lives on a farm in oregon and when i go up there when I tell you, Lisa, there's nothing to do on the farm, so I I started painting a picture of my dog. And you know what? It was really fun. And then my niece had a wedding. And you know what? Uh, I was looking at some pictures of her. And here, now I'm stuck at home, of course. I said, I think I'm going to paint a picture of the bride. And... Then I painted a picture of my sister and her mother-in-law and my boyfriend, Farmer Joe. I've painted three of him, and now I'm painting nude. So if you ever want to sit for me, you know. (laughs) I wouldn't do that to you. (laughs) No, no. Nobody shaming allowed on this podcast. Dear. So it just 
is it is for me very calming. And that's it. I paint pictures of my dog, of other people's dogs. Day and night, day and night. Sometimes I paint in the dark. I know it's crazy, but... Well, at the beginning of this um, pandemic, when we were first quarantined, my husband and I found, like, old episodes of Bob Ross, and we were like, wow, this is so zen, you know? It's like... (laughs) Isn't he? He was fantastic. Oh, you know what? I'm going to Google him. Uh, I'm pretending I know what Bob Ross is. What is Bob Ross? Bob Ross was a painter that way back in like the, well, not way back, um, but in, because I'm up there too, but in the, I think in the 80s and in the 70s, he had a show on PBS where he would teach you how to paint. You remember? Okay. (laughs) I'll tell you, there is a fantastic painter on the internet named Y-U-P-A-R-I. I don't know how to say it. Y-U-P-A-R-I. He's, he seems to be Japanese-American. And for no reason at all, I started painting in acrylics knowing nothing about acrylic and how fast it dries. Well, he has a whole video on painting portraits in acrylic, and he has taught me so much. So... You'd be surprised uh, how instructive these videos can be when you find some really good ones. He's taught me everything I know about acrylic, you know, because I didn't really know anything about the materials, to tell you the truth. And uh, it's um, so I've, I've been learning every painting I learn, you know, learn something new. So with the art and obviously the work you do in theater and movies, I mean, you're very, have you always been a very creative person, like from when you were little? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I had no artistic ability when I was little, except I'll say to make my father laugh. And... You know, when I was really little, he used to take me in elevators with him and, oh, he'd say, let's do, let's do the joke. You know, if there were other people going to be in the elevator, he'd say to me, I hear you had to shoot your dog. And I'd say, yeah. He'd say, well, was he mad? I'd say, well, he wasn't too happy about it. (laughs) And, you know, here's this little three or four year old just learning to speak with, you know, personality plus so that's when I started being funny and then I found you know I was I was a fat kid you know like I say nobody shaming little did I know my mother used to say you want to be an actress you can't be a fat actress then of course came Roseanne and uh, you know things changed thank goodness for women in the industry what are we talking about? Was I always artistic? No, I used to just love this girl that was in my grade school with me. She could draw horses. Carol Shrillo. I thought if I could only draw a horse, you know. But now I'm painting portraits. And um, in this time of the pandemic, when we can't see the people we love, you know, I feel like I'm I'm with them almost when I'm painting them. 
And and you mentioned your dad too, because a lot of people may not know who your dad is. And tell our tell my audience what it was like, who your dad, what your dad did, and what okay. it was like growing up with him. Okay. Well, my father. Hang on one second. My father was a character actor who started on Broadway, and his name was Jesse White. Now, you might not know his name, but if you would see his face, you'd go, oh, I know him. He was the, uh, okay, he was doing a successful play on Broadway called Harvey about the invisible rabbit. And when they wanted to make the movie with Jimmy Stewart, they brought my dad from Broadway to Hollywood They signed him to contract at Universal. He made the movie Harvey, and then movie after movie. Then he, when television came in, he was on Make Room for Daddy. He was on series after series with Ann Southern. Then he did every show on TV, The Munsters, The Adams Family, Mary Tyler Moore, just... Every show you can possibly imagine, my dad did. And then someone said to him, actually it was Stan Freeberg, the brilliant Stan Freeberg, who was the first person to create funny commercials. He had my he hired my dad to do Chung Ching Chow Main commercials, and they were prize-winning commercials. And then someone offered my father the opportunity to be the original Maytag repairman on mm-hmm. television. So that he was the Maytag repairman for 25 years. That's Hello? incredible. And and it, back then, I mean, you know, to get an opportunity like that because you were paid by each time the commercial ran. So that was a good gig to have too, right? You think? Yes. (laughs) You know, I owe my beautiful condo in Beverly Hills. You know, thank you, Daddy. I look up, I say, thank you, Daddy. Um, He passed in 97. But I'll tell you, this amazing 25-year gig on television, he opened... Uh, malls and Sears, not Sears, but wherever they were having uh, a Maytag opening somewhere, he was always there. And it was financially so, so rewarding for all of us. However, my dad was a real, real actor. And he was so identified with Maytag that it X'd him out of certain roles that he wanted to play. You know, they'd say, oh, we love you, Jesse, but you're just too identifiable with Maytag. So it was a double-edged sword. Many, many actors are not as fortunate as my dad was. Um, but it, it, it had its price artistically for my father. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, when Maytag was done, the very last job my dad had, and it really is 
is Full Circle was a two-part Seinfeld where he plays someone on the board of, you know, where Jerry's father and mother live in Florida. Well, on the board, so my dad, okay, so Jerry sends his father a Cadillac, and all of a sudden the board thinks that Jerry's father steals the money from the board or the condo, blah, blah, blah. On this board was a comedian, actor Sandy Barron, Bill Macy, who played Maud's husband, Mm -hmm. God rest his soul. He was so kind. My dad. You know, so you got all these character actors. And uh, my dad happened to have been the very first celebrity that Jerry ever asked for an autograph when he was walking up Broadway with his mother. He sees my dad. Mom, mom. He gets my dad's autograph. He was so excited. He never forgot that. And so when my dad was close to the end of his life, Jerry hired him to do this, what turned into a two-part Seinfeld, where you get double the residuals. And it was just such a joy for my father to to do the Seinfeld show, because he just loved it. And, you know, like Full Circle with Jerry, who still talks about it, by the way, and if you buy, I don't know, like on Amazon, all the Seinfeld shows at the end he talks about meeting my father and how my dad was last job was on his show you know I, I it's it's so heartwarming to hear to hear a story like that and to think about you know the the impact that one person one actor one character actor had on somebody else but I have to I have to ask you I mean you're, st- I'm sure, still recognized today for your part on television. I mean, do you find, do you have that connect, that same kind of connection your dad had where you're just like recognized where you go? You know, I'm, uh, 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 well, to be perfectly honest, I don't exactly look like Big Rosie anymore. She was a looker, if I say so myself. <laughs> Uh, Um, You know, here in West Hollywood and Hollywood, my generation, you're you're quite a bit younger than me. But did you watch Laverne and Shirley when it was original? You're not that old. I'm 55. Not like originally, but pretty pretty close yeah <laughs> i i'm a and i'm a junkie for the show i have all of the dvds i've watched uh, it i watch it all the time no joke it was it was funny it was a funny show i mean i'm the first one to admit it you know lenny and squiggy i mean you don't get any funnier than than those two you know, dorks, I mean, seriously, and Penny and Cindy, that kind of comedy, uh, it, it's a little different today, what they what they produce. Um, and back to your question, yes, I do get recognized by 
it, someone will be behind me and they'll be looking at me, looking at me, and and I will be wearing a trench coat over my pajamas. Yes, you heard it here first. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just right around the corner from the market and they'll go, I know you, you're <laughs> Rosie. And it will be like, heartwarming to be acknowledged by someone young who like you saw the reruns you know I guess they still play them all over today but you know to be recognized and someone says oh you're so funny oh you were so funny you know it, 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 it it's having your your work appreciated and and that's kind of why I do it. I have to express my art. But then for someone to say, nice work, very good, you know, it kind of just, you know, it's icing on the cake. Did having your dad in show business affect your decision to go into show business, or how did that come about? Most definitely. My dad worked with Danny Thomas, on a show called Make Room for Daddy. And it was Danny and his his daughter, his oldest daughter was played by Sherry Jackson, who then went on to the Donna Reed show and that show with Craig T. Nelson, coach, she played his wife. And then the son was Rusty Hamer. And then the littlest daughter was Angela Cartwright. Now, everybody knows Angela Cartwright from Star Trek or I don't know what, uh, another one of those space age shows, I can't remember what, but she and her sister Veronica, Veronica, by the way, was in The Witches of Eastwick, she was brilliant in it, she and her sister were child actors, so my dad would go to the studio, I'd beg him to take me, I'm six, right, go there. And my dad, I swear, he loved that Angela Cartwright. And she was, she was little. She was, maybe she was six or seven. She was so precocious and light. And she, she, my dad just loved working with her. And so, of course, I would say to him, well, can I be on the show? Can I be on the show? He'd say, ah, wait till you're seven. And I'm, <laughs> Right? Then I turned seven. Ah, wait till you're eight. You know, and this is how it was. So I started doing plays in Sunday school. That's the only place I could, you know, anyone <laughs> I could get near it. He wouldn't let me near professional show business. He said, it is so hard on children. You know, kids have bad moods just like the rest of us, but they are on it. You know, watching the clock, everybody needs to get everything done fast. And sometimes kids don't feel that good. You know what I mean? Like, but they have to show up, suit up, and he wouldn't let me near it. He said, no, you go to high school, you go to college. If that's what you want to do, I support you. He'd always come to my plays. My very first play was a Sunday school play with Richard Dreyfus. It was a Hanukkah play. Yeah, it was a Hanukkah play. He was Thomas the Shamus and I was Luella the Latka. You know, Hanukkah. 
<laughs> and and did you get because I know you've done plays also you're not just television did that give you like a feeling of hey I would love to be on stage oh yes yes that's all I did until I went pro really was play after play after play in college and uh, when I got out of college and came back to Hollywood I joined Equity uh, doing my darling darling friend lifetime friend Carl Reiner um, his play um, Enter Laughing it was called and I played well, I can't think of the name. I played the receptionist secretary. I was young then, you know, but uh, Carl came to see the show. Carl's daughter, Annie, and I were best friends from the fifth grade on. Carl and his family moved out from New Rochelle to do the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, first he wrote on the Dinosaur show, the Dinosaur show, yeah, and then he did the Dick Van Dyke show, he produced it, and uh, Annie and Rob and their younger brother Lucas, they, of course, they all came, and Estella's wife, and so the Reiners and the Whites were lifetime friends, and boy, that Carl, honest to God, up until the very de- last day of his life, he was writing, he was walking, and you know, Mel Brooks would come every single night to have dinner with Carl and sit and watch TV or watch movies. And after Carl passed on, I guess it was July 4th, Mel still comes. He still mm-hmm. comes and has dinner there. He's such a sweet guy, too. Geniuses both. Geniuses. And, and there are some people in this world that you just don't ever it sounds illogical but you just don't ever think you're gonna lose you know and and Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks are were two of them for me that I'm like no they're we're never gonna lose them they're always gonna be here you know and it's so sad and I'm um I mean the memories you must have are are just you know incredible you know you've been around so many of these greats I mean what you know, and, and Gary Marshall and, and so many greats in your life. I mean, what can you say, like, is even talking about Carl, like, what's a lesson or something that you feel like you learned from being around them so much? Hmm. Lesson. Um, take risks on behalf of your art. Protect your art. Uh, Everyone will have an opinion, Uh, you know, sometimes everyone wants everything you do to be a success. Sometimes, you know, you're in something and it turns out to be a loss, as my dad would say. And, you know, people will come after the show and and I would get it, oh, Carol, and I know they're thinking, how did you get in this? And I just say, oh, thank you for coming. Interesting show, isn't it? So everybody has an opinion. And what you think of me is none of my business. I just say thank you, thank you, thank you. And next, mm-hmm. um, never give up. Never give up. Your dreams, 
don't have an expiration date. My wonderful, one of my wonderful teachers, Richard Lawson, taught me that. Doesn't matter how old you are, Carol. It doesn't matter if you have a cane or if you what that that that. You can work. You can work. You can work. You can work. If you can breathe, you can work. And um, so that's that's what I tell young artists: don't give up. It's easy to give up, but you always live with, gee, maybe I could have, maybe I should have, you know. Anyway. Carl wrote, like I say, Carl was writing up until the last day of his life. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Never give up. Did you, when you were growing up, did you idolize, you know, like certain celebrities or actors or producers or, you know? Oh, gosh, yes. Starstruck, like the rest of the world, for sure, for sure. Oh, let's see where to begin. You talk about Carl Reiner. Carl took me and Annie, you know, the two best friends, took us to the last show. Judy, you know Judy Garland? Of course. <laughs> Judy Garland had a TV show that she did out of CBS here in Hollywood. And it was her last show. And you know who was her her guest star was Barbara Streisand. Mm -hmm. Carl took me and Annie to watch this show. So we were in the audience watching Barbara Streisand, who I love, I love her, love her, love her. And obviously Judy, the legend Judy Garland. And you know, sometimes I see things on Facebook or somewhere, and when I would make a comment, oh, I was at that broadcast, people first say, how old are you? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, but it was a real, real thrill. I love Barbara Streisand, and then I get to work with her. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the very first movie I ever did was called Up the Sandbox, starring Barbara Streisand. And, well, I had to do a nude scene. Yes, you heard it here first. <laughs> I had to do a nude scene. But I'm thinking to myself, A, to work with Barbara Streisand in a movie that everyone will see. I'm playing the, her babysitter, Miss Biddlemeister, and I'm coming there to do my homework while she's out at a party. And then my chemistry you know, partner comes and we end up having sex in her bed and Miss Spittlemeister's finishing her organic, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, she was so kind to me. And anytime I'd see her driving around town, I, I only worked, I think, I think I might have worked two days on, on that movie. The highlight, obviously, of my young life, to tell you how nervous I was, I have to knock on the door. My books are in my hand. I knock on the door, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, Barbara Streisand's going to open the door and talk to me. Will I be able to do this? This is my first movie. She opens the door. Oh, hi, Miss Little Nice to come in, have some chicken. Da, da, da. So I come in, and I'm so nervous, I accidentally slam the door behind me. All the pictures fall off. <laughs> oh, no. I 
words, God is my witness, cut, and, and it was like, oh my God, they're going to recast me, they're going to know, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and the, the prop guys, they were so like, ah, don't worry, it happens all the time. All the pictures fell off the wall, you know, me forgetting that it's just, you know, a, a studio set and not a... Anyway, but she couldn't have been kinder. She called me into her dressing room during lunch. Does your mother know you're going to take your clothes off? <laughs> and I said, well, she does. And, uh, but she knows you're in the movie and, you know, she, you, you know, I don't know what I said, but... You know, she would, she couldn't have been kinder to make me feel comfortable. And I'd see her driving around town. She'd haunt Miss Spittlemeister, Miss Spittlemeister. Oh, that's you funny. Know, back in the old days, this was in, I think that was 1974. So It was just yesterday. Just yesterday. <laughs> and I don't see her driving around town too much anymore. She's probably inside taking care not to catch the play oh absolutely i think we all are at this point at least i hope we all are you know right right, right. you know i just um i want to ask you before I, and and i know that we're um i know you're very busy well very busy even though you're home but still i want to ask you this so one of the yeah. reasons why i started this podcast is because People travel, like if there's a favorite film or TV show that they have, they'll travel to see where it was filmed or a museum dedicated to somebody special um, that in acting. Have you ever done anything like that? Did you fall in love with a, a, a movie or a TV show and say, I have to go there and visit, and you actually went there and visited? No, 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 and I'll tell you why. Because of my father having such close proximity to the stars, you know, we'd, we'd be, I was at Universal having lunch with my dad one day. We were in the commissary, and as we're leaving, up walks Paul Newman. Hey, Jesse, Paul, oh, how are you? How? And me, like, just, ah, oh, it's Paul Newman, you know, <laughs> try, trying not to embarrass my father by wanting to slip Paul Newman my phone number. <laughs> um, you know, but no, you know, just professional. Uh, being around the professional business all my life since I can remember, I still got excited when I got to meet Elizabeth Taylor. I got excited when I met Barbara Streisand. You know, Dustin Hoffman, the nicest, nicest man ever. Uh, I, I got to work on something with him. Uh, Steve Martin I worked with on uh, Grand Canyon. What a great guy. To, you know, I, I, I'm still a little starstruck, but... Um, to do those things like, oh, this is where they filmed the Brady Bunch. Not my deal, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, not my deal. Not the, Nothing wrong with the Brady Bunch. It was a <laughs> wonderful show. But you know what I mean. Being a part of the business since I was a kid, it, 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 it didn't have the same effect on me as, let's say, someone uh, who didn't grow up in the middle of it. Is there anybody you always wanted to work with? I mean, you late you talked you've talked to a lot of amazing 
people in, in Hollywood. Is there somebody that you always wanted to work with or something you always wanted to do that you haven't done? Uh, you know, I'll tell you. Um, I'd like, okay, I'd like to, since you asked me and I'll put it out in the universe. Oh, I'd like to work with Robert De Niro. Uh. I'd, li- I'd like to be in something with Robert De Niro. And I'd like to work on Broadway. I'd like to do a play on Broadway. I'd like to work at the Mark Taper Forum in Los Angeles, uh, you know, our big theater. I had the, the pleasure to do Harvey of all plays with the amazing, brilliant French Stewart from, uh, you know, Third Rock mm-hmm. from the Sun and Mom, you know. He did the Jimmy Stewart role, and I was in the cast at the Laguna Playhouse, and this was a year ago last summer. And it brought my love of hearing 500 people laugh at what I do, you know. It just it just lit a fire under me. And then right after that, I did a new play at the Gary Marshall Theater in Los Angeles. And again, had the time of my life. So uh, I'd like to continue to do theater and film. And if you talk to Bob. De Niro say there's a girl in Los Angeles. She 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 swears she'll be she's easy or whatever. I don't know what say, you know. But anyway, it, it it's always so great to talk to you, and I can't wait to listen to your podcast. Oh, Carol, thank you. I'm so glad that you decided to come on this. I honestly, I want you to write a book. I want you to write your autobiography. I want to read more. I want to know more. The stories you have to tell are just unbelievable. I mean, I, 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 I hope you do that one day. Thank you, and you know, if this, uh, I call it Kofifi, if Kofifi lasts much longer, <laughs> I'll still be here in the house, that's what I call the COVID, Kofifi, <laughs> uh-huh. or Trump's flu, um, <laughs> as long as we, you know, I'm, I'm, my sister said you should write a book, she tells me that too, so between paintings, maybe I'll start working on that, or do some kind of internet show. This seems to be terribly popular now. People doing their things on the internet. So if I can figure out how to work my computer, I will possibly do that. Anything so we can get more of you. And Carol, thank you so much for doing this. You're amazing. Thank you, Lisa. And I wish you continued success, perfect health, much joy and laughter, darling. Thank you for having me. Same on to show. you, Carol. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye bye. Carol, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. The the fangirl in me, like even to this moment, I am literally uh, giddy at the fact that you came on my show and. Um, it is just amazing to get to know you. It's always great to talk to you. And you are honestly one of my favorite celebrity interviews ever. So that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Travels podcast. Please, if you get a chance, follow me on Instagram at The Virgin Traveler. And if you have a minute, maybe leave me a review on this podcast. 
or click on the iTunes stars if you're if you're listening to me on iTunes. Uh, hopefully, you'll give it a five, but you know whatever you feel it's worth would be great. It would really help me out. And thank you so much again, and I will see you all next week. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.